Today on Stick to Football, we are live from Tooting Brewing Company in Indianapolis, Indiana. Our third annual hangout here at the Combine, guys. Awesome. Beer on tap. We have a, a very quiet crowd. Normally, like, there's some rustling in the background, and they're all just sitting there staring at us right now, which is really, really fun. There we go. Hey. There, there yeah, are you. people here. Whoever started that, you get another free beer. Uh, <laughs> but Combine Week, uh, thank the Lord above, is almost over. Ready to sleep in my own bed. Love Indianapolis, but it has been—it's uh, been a long week. It's taken its toll. And what we want to do is, we have a live audience today. We know a lot of those guys want to talk about rumors. We're going to do that. We're going to take live draft on draft questions, and we have the funniest person on Twitter, hands down. I'm here usually. Mello. We also have yes. Joey Molinaro, who is amazing. Also, if you're not following him on Twitter. Do it right now when you're listening to the show, or if you're sitting in the audience, go do it right now. I see Dan Barnes on his phone. That better be what you're doing. It's either that or the Yang Gang for him. Yeah, he's he's trying to get Yang back in the election right now. So we are we're going to talk to Joey. It's going to be a great time. Uh, Can't can't wait for that interview. But boys, let's kick it off right here. It has been a crazy week. The the hardest part uh, for me, uh, ten years in this job, is to come down here and you spend all this time talking to coaches and scouts and agents. And you try to just basically cut through the BS. Of the, I don't know if we can curse in here. You just cut through the bar. BS so. of what you're being told. And it was funny yesterday, Friday. You'll have one person come to you and be like, hey, this offensive tackle failed the wonder lick. And it's like, well, I don't know how that's possible, but okay. And then you hear from another one, like, he had the best interview we've ever seen. So going through the BS a little bit, I just want to talk about some of the rumors that are out there and get the read from the, the desk here on how we see these things. Let's start here. Matthew Stafford maybe pushing his way out of Detroit. This is something we've spent a lot of time talking about. A guy who the Detroit Lions will pay $30 million in 2020, regardless of if he's on the team or not. I have said for weeks now that I think Matt Stafford is untradeable. But if he forces his way out, we've seen this with Antonio Brown, with Jalen Ramsey. We've seen guys do it. If Matt Stafford pushes it that far, Mello, number one, do you think it's possible? Number two, where does he go? I don't blame him. Uh, You're looking at that Detroit team, and I'm sorry if we have any Detroit fans in the house, but they're going nowhere fast. And they're also in a position right now drafting at number three overall. If Tua is sitting there at three, which he might not be, I think the Detroit Lions would be very wise to take a chance on that. We've been waiting all along for Tua and the medicals to come back. They came back, and now Washington's talking about him. Detroit might be talking about him. So maybe Matt Stafford sees uh, the writing on the wall, and maybe he wants to go actually play for a contender. There are a lot of good teams that need a quarterback. Indianapolis, Tampa Bay, a lot of teams that he would fit the mold for at quarterback. So maybe he just wants to get out of Detroit while he still has a couple years left. Yeah, and you take away the the biggest issue, which is probably the contract. I think that's what would be the holdup in trades. And it's probably the best time for both sides to actually have a divorce here because you have Stafford who's coming off a season where you know he's riddled with this back injury. He probably understands that his window to win now is in these next four years as a 31-year-old quarterback. Probably and, at most. And a guy, exactly, especially when you're banged up. And a guy that's played at a really high level, and he probably feels, hey, Detroit hasn't gotten it done for me. And if you're Detroit, you're sitting there in a window where you're picking in a range where you can get a really good quarterback right now. And also, I actually think you can get a return on Stafford that would help your team or help rebuild this team. We've seen Matt Patricia ship out some veterans I'm not a believer that Darius Slay is going to be there for the long term right now. And I I know they asked Matt Patricia on the broadcast last night. Uh, Rich Eisen did a great job with all the interviews. But he asked him, you know, where are these rumors coming from about Stafford? And Patricia did the right thing and said, listen, people are bored. They're making stuff up. But I just feel like we've heard so much noise around this, guys, at this point. It's almost like where there's smoke, there might actually be a little fire here in Detroit. If you're Detroit, this is risky, though, because uh, say you trade Matt Stafford when the league year opens in two weeks. 
you don't know that you're getting Tua at three. So you've put yourself in a position. You have to like Justin Herbert as much exactly. as you like Tua. Or you have to like Jordan Love as much as you like the other quarterbacks. Because you can't just assume that Tua is going to be there. So even if you look at it and say, well, Tua is an upgrade over Matthew Stafford. He's younger. He's going to be more. He's going to be cheaper. We can actually build a team around him. You don't know that you're getting that player. So I think that's the risk here. I actually don't buy this rumor at all. And maybe I'm just old and skeptical. I don't think you can trade a player who's going to count $30 million against your salary cap. It's the biggest problem. Yeah. Right off the bat. And then also on top of that, like, I mean, do you really like Justin Herbert that much more than Matthew Stafford? Or they're going to do what the Dolphins did. And they're going to wait a year and say, man, I don't really like Tua. Questionable health. That Trevor Lawrence kid looks pretty fucking good, though. (laughs) So maybe, you know what? We'll do what the Lions have done before. They'll go winless and put themselves in a position to get a guy like Jeff Okuda at corner and then draft Trevor Lawrence next year. Well, if anyone could put a plan in place for that right now, it is the Lions. Because First off, I agree with you. Justin Herbert's not the answer over Matt Stafford for me in the slightest bit. That's not You even know an, how I feel. That's not an option on the table at all. But they're sitting there at three. They actually might be in a prime spot for a trade-back opportunity, and maybe they sit right. there and say, hey, we don't actually want a lot of your picks right now. We want them next year. And you start building all this draft capital. Maybe you get some more when you move Darius Slay. Now you're sitting there, and you can kind of control the 2021 draft. But also, the problem is that coaching staff has no security where yep. they can't feel very comfortable doing a long-term plan Coaching like to win, you don't usually try to They have to win this, this year right. in the eyes of the owners. Yeah, and let's move on here. Mike Silver comes out and says the Washington Redskins are serious about taking Tua Tagovailoa at two. It's not just smoke. They have said themselves they're going to bring in Joe Burrow. They're going to bring in Tua. And it's not just doing due diligence. They want all options are on the table. And so I think even with Detroit, this ties into that because, again, you have no guarantee. And even their trade market, Detroit's ability to trade the third pick hinges on Tua being there. So if Tua is gone at two, and we said it on the Friday show, Connor and I did, Melo, I love your take, that Tua is such a massive upgrade over Dwayne Haskins, in my opinion. And this is nothing against Dwayne Haskins, good player. But Tua is so much better than him if he's healthy that I think you actually have to consider it. And I want to say this. They don't have a second-round pick. So this could also be a little bit of posturing where they're hoping someone comes up to get Tua, and they're okay getting Akuda at five instead of getting Chase Young at at two. Or they're okay getting Jedrick Wills or Mekhi Becton. So this could be posturing without that second-round pick. But, Melo, you have the choice between Tua and Haskins. Who are you taking? I think it's easy. It's Tua. I mean, no questions asked. And we saw the Cardinals do this last year uh, when they took Kyler Murray. Uh, it was here in Indianapolis when we figured out that was going to happen. So it wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, I know that when the Cardinals pulled the trigger on it, it was shocking because like, they just drafted a quarterback. Well, now you can see that he wasn't shocking very good. Shocking people who weren't listening to this podcast. And, and Haskins, I don't think he played that well his first year. It's a new coaching staff. I thought he should have been like a second-round pick last year. I, I was not a fan of Haskins. So if Tua's sitting there and you feel confident with what you have at the edge position with guys like Sweat, I mean, they're loaded on defense. So maybe they do kick the tires at least on Tua and, and see how's this going to fit into our long-term plan. Because Ron Rivera's going to be there for a if you while. Get, right. And if you can get a 2021 first-rounder by trading back, mm-hmm. you got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Even if they do move out of the second pick. Maybe they can still – maybe they're saying, man, we really like Jeff Akuda. We don't want to take him at two. Let's see if we can move to four or five or you know, some of these other teams that need to move up for a quarterback. And I'll say this about Haskins' job security. Let's not forget, guys, Ron Rivera went to the Redskins because now this is a coach-controlled organization. It's something that VP of player personnel Kyle Smith even said here at the Combine this week, or, or the owner, obviously, too, Dan Snyder. It really is Ron Rivera and then moving down. And let's not forget, last year we saw a similar situation 
Cliff Kingsbury goes to Arizona. He makes the decisions there that are this high-impact decisions over the GM. So if they're not sold on Haskins from what they learn, or and apparently these conversations have gone on a lot longer than we originally thought, then it's completely possible that they take a quarterback second overall. And I, I like Tua's talent just as much as I like Joe Burrow's. So you don't have to sell me anything on that at all. I think it would be you know, a, a really polarizing decision because Chase Young is on the board and that's the safer option. But at the end of the day, it's a really big upgrade at quarterback. And if you're Ron Rivera, you're coming into this job, you have no ties to any player on this roster. You Not can at all. completely start over. And I think there will be people that say, well, you just drafted a quarterback last year. You didn't really get to see a lot of him. Doesn't Why are you matter. moving on? If you don't like that quarterback, you can't keep them. It, or if you don't think that you can win with them, you can't keep them. you got to move on. And quarterbacks like Tua don't come around very often. I know that Joe Burrow's sitting there this year. But outside of those two guys, the rest of the board, I'm not taking them in the first not round. Not doing it. There's, there's no way. So I think that you do have to jump on one of these guys. You don't want to be the Cleveland Browns who sit around and pass on every good quarterback like a Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson or some of these other really good quarterbacks and now you're stuck with old number six there. Yeah, your, your best friend, Baker Mayfield. Let's, let's transition and get Melo out of trouble here. The Arizona Cardinals, you mentioned it, Connor, that uh, this is a coach-driven organization now with Cliff Kingsbury. One thing I've heard throughout the week, guys, and this should not be a surprise to anyone, is that they are very invested in the offensive, offensive tackle class in this year's draft. They did just sign D.J. Humphreys to a three-year extension, but they need another offensive tackle. After what we saw Tristan Wirfs do in a record-setting performance on Friday night, He's a player we've linked to them for weeks now. I'm starting to feel really good about that pick for them if Jedrick Wills is off the board already. Uh, So I had some hot takes on the offensive line class this year where I said I didn't really like the tackles. I didn't know if Tristan Wirfs could move that well, and wow, was I wrong. So I think that if he falls to the Cardinals, they have to jump on him. But I I think we're going to see two, if not three, offensive linemen go in the top ten now. I think so, too. And I think Worfs is the perfect pick when you look at this Arizona team that needs to build an offensive line. Me and Matt were, were joking a bit yesterday that I don't think you could put Makai Becton in front of Kyler Murray, so that would be kind of interesting. We'd never see him again, as Matt right. said. He'd hide behind his leg. And, and listen, I'd, I like Worfs as the second-best tackle in this class. Not a guard, not moving him out of that tackle spot. I like him as a tackle. So Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs. Here's the crazy thing. I don't think any of the top offensive linemen lost at the combine. They all won. Even Andrew Thomas comes in longer arms than we thought, moved better than he thought. He obviously interviews really well. Very, very smart guy. So when you look at how this board falls now, you're going to have Wills, Wirfs, Becton, Thomas, probably Jones in the mix. And Matt, you keep saying it, Austin Jackson is really on the rise. Right, and something I tweeted before we came over here today to do the show was that this, we've, four quarterbacks can go very early. Four offensive tackles are going to go very early. Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb are going to fall. And it's something we have, we've discussed, ah man, this could hurt the receiver class a little bit. It could hurt this receiver class a decent amount. Isaiah Simmons, if he fell to nine, I would not be shocked. Now, if he went third, I wouldn't be surprised, but he could fall in this draft because we're seeing now these tackles lived up to expectations. And Melo, I was there with you at the Senior Bowl uh, because at the time we were talking about is Worfs a guard, is he a tackle? And I, I tweeted the same thing. It's like, I'm not in love with this. I had three at the time. Josh Jones has played his way up. Austin Jackson has definitely played his way up. So we could see five tackles go in the first round. Another team uh, addressing big areas of need here, the Green Bay Packers, I've heard, and we talked about it earlier in the week, they were all over the tight ends. They have met with every top linebacker in this class and not just your casual 
Hey, what's your number? We might call you on draft day. Like very formal interviews. They're setting up meetings down the road. So the Packers at linebacker, Blake Martinez is a free agent. It's a gaping hole in the middle of that defense for a team that actually has drafted really, really well since Ted Thompson retired and Brian took over the job there. So I think the Packers, that linebacker buzz is real. And we're going to see it today, Saturday with these workouts. If Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray run themselves out of the 30th pick in the draft. Exactly. And I think that's it. They are in good position right now, but there's so many teams at the back end of the first round that need one of these linebackers. I think there are three very good first round linebackers. Green Bay might have to move up to get one, though, because I do expect Patrick Queen to run very well. And I actually expect Kenneth Murray to run very well also. So I I don't know that either one of them will be there at 30. But you also have guys like Malik Harrison out of Ohio State. You have Troy Dye. I like him quite a bit, too. Jordan Brooks. Zach Bond. I view him as a linebacker. I don't know if he can play that middle linebacker spot yet. uh, But he's another guy that maybe could slide in there at 30 overall. And I think what will dictate all of that is when does Isaiah Simmons come off the board? Because like you said, if he goes in the top 10, then you're going to probably see teams like Las Vegas now, the Raiders, look at Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray earlier than we even expected. So it's interesting how they run today, how they test today will really dictate that. But I think the point is there's a really, really nice upper tier of off-ball linebackers in this class now. Yeah, definitely. And I I think to Mellis' point, there's some depth in it. Let's run through these two pretty quickly. Brian... Byron Jones going to hit the free agent market. Cowboys, we've known this for a while. If you're going to keep Dak and you're going to keep Amari Cooper, and they've basically said they're going to tag Dak if they can't get a deal done. Someone's so, got to go. Somebody's got to go. It's going to be Byron Jones. Yep. I think the Giants make a ton of sense for him. I think the Eagles make a ton of sense for him. Connors, New York Jets make a ton of sense for him. Sorry, your Chiefs have no money. You no, can't they, sign him. they don't They don't need him. He they would don't be have perfect money. in that scheme, but yeah, not going to happen. But it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. But it feels like he's going to be going to the East Coast real soon. Do we think he get, gets $20 million a year? He's going to push close. I think 18. Is I think this free agent market is going to be literally out of control. He's going to get that Tony Romo money. Yeah. Nice 17 mil per can year. You, I mean, can you believe that? A million dollars a game. Great. Good. Earned no, it's it. good for him. Yeah. But that's I, crazy. I don't know why people are, are hating on it. That's capitalism, it's, man. it's good in sports media for yeah. other people to be getting paid a lot of money. And You're going to have to renegotiate my contract. I, <laughs> I enjoy watching games called by Tony Romo. It also has nothing to do with the CBA. That was a weird yeah. thing going on on Twitter. It's tied in. Well, it's tied in. If, if CBS keeps the TV, if they keep NFL, then his deal runs seven years. If they don't, it's three years. So it's, uh, it's, so it could be a 10-year deal. That's okay. how that works. Yeah. You know I, I don't that? like watching Tony Romo games. Uh, there's no way I would pay $17 million to watch that guy. I don't have it, so I don't have to worry <laughs> about that. I don't, I just, I'm over the shtick of Tony Romo, so I don't. Like, wow. I, a Chiefs fan, I have to watch CBS games, and I don't care for him. It's, it's tough. Well, you're going to be living in a primetime world <laughs> yeah, real soon right, of, right. of Monday Night Football. It's okay. You get Booker and week. Joe on Monday nights yeah, instead. Yeah, so have fun with that one gun. instead. Right. Yeah, enjoy that. <laughs> Last one here for you before we get uh, into some of the workouts. My gosh, we have a long show here today. Some of the workouts we'll get to, but Shaq Barrett franchise tag is coming, and this would mean Jameis Winston cannot be tagged, guys. And that's that's why this is notable. Bruce Harris, I thought it was great this week. He was like, yeah, like 20 of those picks were his fault. Ten weren't. Not really the world you want to live in. And he keeps saying things, too. Like, yeah, there's a quarterback out there that can play better than Jameis Winston. And if we can get him, we're going to. It's almost like he has his eye on somebody in the draft. He doesn't know if his team can move up yet. But if that quarterback happens to fall to him, yeah, you bet your butt they're going to pull the trigger on it. I, I mean, how, take how little of a shit does Bruce give about whether Jameis comes back or not? Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. buying everything he's saying. He's like, yeah, yeah, we'll look into Tom, we'll look into Philip Rivers. You know, Jameis, all these picks were his fault. I mean, it's good leveraging because now you're not 
He's not going to pay Jameis Winston whatever thirty plus. This million is when you've broken up and like you're you're like still talking and like you're still hanging out every now and then, but you're definitely on Tinder. Like you're still swiping on other people. That's Bruce Arians right now. Oh yeah, he like does if not there's care. Anything else better out there? I'm doing this. There's going to be before we end the segment. Good or bad decision to move on from Jameis Winston? Good. Yeah. Good. I'm Even with, with the LASIK, I'm with you. Not working for me. Let's take a break. We come back. We are going to give you some of our favorite performances from the combine. I have Joey Molinaro. Then your draft on draft questions live at Two Deep Brewing Company. We'll be back right after this. We are back live from Tudyk Brewing Company in Indianapolis, Indiana. That is a mouthful. We want to talk about some of the, the best performances. I don't want to call this winners and losers, but some of the best performances we've seen this week of the Combine. We've talked about the offensive linemen a little bit in the first segment. Everyone was impressive. Tristan Worfs had a record-setting performance. Mekhi Becton weighs about 100 and a lot more pounds than me and ran a 5-1-140, which should not happen. That's uh, not normal. Jedrick Wills, good workout, very good workout. Andrew Thomas did as well, like Connor said. Cesar Ruiz, I think, submitted himself as the top interior offensive lineman in this class. We're going to see we're gonna see some linemen go in the first round. Probably as many as seven could be in the first round. But the running backs ran on Friday night. And the combine going to primetime, that's what it's about. It's about the receivers and the running backs running at primetime. They did not disappoint, especially Mr. Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> knew it was coming. It's one of those things where we knew he was fast, but you want to see it confirmed. And you want to – it's like he's 226 pounds, 222 pounds, something like that. He's a big guy. And so you just want to see that number confirmed, and oh, my, did he do it. Yeah, and I think you mentioned it too with the size. No other running back is running at that speed with this size. Not not this year. I know that we've had others. Like Saquon Barkley. Saquon, Zeke, like the top-tier running backs. And that's why I think that a lot of these running backs – I know Edwards Hilaire didn't run that well, 4-6, doesn't bother me. DeAndre Swift running very well, Cam Akers too. We haven't seen J.K. Dobbins yet. I think the running backs made themselves a lot of money this weekend because they all ran and performed very well to combine. And I think we have to have a conversation now about A.J. Dillon. I was going to say. I mean, I know obviously the production at Boston College was huge. Felt like they gave him the ball 60 times a game and just said run straight, and and he runs through people. But I thought the testing numbers for someone that's 247 pounds – uh, were phenomenal. For a while, it just felt like, yeah, maybe sixth, seventh round, someone takes a flyer on him. I actually think he's somebody that made himself a lot of money here in Indy. Especially when some of the players we were putting him in tears with didn't perform. Like, Javon Leak was really disappointing Very. to me athletically. If A.J. Dillon is not a Tennessee Titan at the end of the draft, I will be shocked. Like, yeah. it really just feels like that's Derrick Henry. And maybe not to that level, but like that's Derrick Henry's little brother. Yeah, and they just take a flyer on him in, what, in the third or fourth round, probably. I like his fit in that offense. You're not giving up a whole lot. You still fill your needs. And you know that Vrabel is just going to see this big running back running that fast and be like, yep, I want to draft one those. Him. One of you mentioned Clyde Edwards Alary. He ran a 4 6 flat. He's 5 foot 7. That's okay with me. I think his shiftiness is the key. It's the short area quickness, the burst. We didn't see J.K. Dobbins, like you guys mentioned. DeAndre Swift ran a 4 4 8. But for me, his workout was really, really impressive. We saw the hands, the pass catching ability out of the backfield. That makes him a pretty special player. I didn't feel like anyone at the running back position necessarily like failed. Like Tony Jones ran a four six eight. That's not great. Zach Moss was hurt, ran a four six five. But there wasn't any. There was no outlier where you were just incredibly disappointed. No, and I think that's why you bring your guys to compete in this because, much like the Senior Bowl, we're talking about how great everybody performed, and then we're mentioning guys. Oh well, we didn't see him. You get one chance at your pro day. One chance to come do all this stuff over again. So Why you're not saying if you only had one combat? shot. One opportunity. <laughs> I think, once again, the 40 is for TV. The three cone is what matters for running backs over and over again. That's the number that really matters. Now, if you're going 
you know, borderline 4-8 at running back, there might be some issues there. Yeah. And, you know, Tony Jones is a guy that left Notre Dame early, and I know I was personally scratching my head why, and then at the combine ran really, really slow and still asking myself why. But once again, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, these are the two guys for me that are at the top of this running back class over J.K. Dobbins. I like these guys a lot. I'll have them in my top 32. I think they can come in and play for you right away at a really, really high level. I think the only question teams have about Swift is, you know, load management, really. He's somebody that felt like Georgia, for whatever reason, used – even when he wasn't banged up, as more of a rotational guy, maybe like that's because four of the running backs that they were using. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Do you guys think that these running backs can work their way into the first round? I think Swift is going to go first round. I think Jonathan Taylor is probably going to go first round. Yeah, I think somebody will talk themselves into how safe of a player Jonathan Taylor is. I mean, just phenomenal character, phenomenal work ethic, great athlete. You've productive. said it for two months. If Derrick Henry leaves the Titans, Jonathan Swift should be their pick at twenty nine. Jonathan Swift, that'd be a hell or of a Jonathan combo. Taylor, running you back. just get both of them. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, I'm like, uh, and I think that the Dolphins see one of these guys and say, man, this can change our offense right now. One of these guys, Swift or Taylor, can change our offense. We're going to pull the trigger at 18, and then that's going to force some of these other teams to say, well, we were wanting a running back. Now we're going to have to take one in the first round. And I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the top 50 pick. I know that might not be a popular draft Twitter opinion, but I think he's going to be a top 50 pick. I think so, too. I think the contact balance is phenomenal. I mean, it's funny they had Mark Ingram uh, as a guest analyst last night. That's exactly who Edwards-Alaire is. Exactly who he is. He catches the ball very well out of the backfield. Now, a player that's been linked to Mello's team, the Kansas City Chiefs, Anthony McFarlane, did very, very well. 4-4-4 in the 40, had an exceptional three-cone. Only 11 running backs performed in the three-cone. So even when you look at, like, oh, he was a top-10 three-cone. Everyone was. It's like when you go to a school. I graduated top-20 in my class. Right. There were 18 kids in your class. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that that is a little bit skewed, but. Anthony McFarland, we've called him Little Booger on the show a lot. Uh, he has had a really, really good workout here this week. Did you guys really graduate with 18 kids? Honestly, no, that's true. Yeah, it, there oh were 18 kids. I had like 44. Class. I graduated with 450. Wow. That's like our whole town. That's yeah, right? fucking crazy. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, right? And look how far we've made I was going to say, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Impressive. Thank you. Uh, one other guy did not do uh, well. And with someone we've talked a lot about on the show, so I want to bring him up. Trey Adams, offensive tackle from Washington. Three years ago, he looked like he was going to be a top 10 pick. And yep. really, it's just it's sad to see the way that he's, you know, he's broken down. He's, he's injuries. He can't move anymore. And I think we saw that, you know, we, he was, we were supposed to be in the senior bowl, and he got hurt, and it's just it's not good. And I think we're to the point where um, we probably won't talk about Trey Adams anymore because I don't know that he's draftable at this point. Yeah, he's just, like you said, he's so banged up. And two years ago, he was a top tackle coming out. Like, we thought he was going to come out as a junior, be a top 10 pick. Now we're sitting here two years later. I don't know if he gets drafted either. Like, you love the size, but the guy can't move. Yeah, it's frustrating. I know we've talked about him on Mock Draft Monday, and every time, you know, that name comes up, the question is, well, how are his medicals? And the problem is when you have back injuries, when you have lower body surgeries and injuries, it just feels like everything is caught up to him. And it is a shame, and I hope somehow he bounces back. But in a really good offensive line class where you don't have to take medical risk on these other guys – it's it's simply going to hurt. I think at best we're looking at the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's take a break. We come back. The funniest guy on Twitter. It's going to be amazing. And I, let's just ask him football questions. No impersonations, just football. Just straight Colts talk the whole time. We'll be back right after this. All right, we are back live at Tooting Brewing Company in Indianapolis, Indiana. And we are 
so happy to be joined by uh, i've been sitting like you are right now the funniest fucking guy on twitter and no you, pressure but also yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know i was telling you that i think i've been following you about a month you mm-hmm. have over one hundred and fifty thousand followers now i think you had like six thousand when i started following you yeah no i know i i, I used to suck back then but now it's cool <laughs> right, right? No. Yeah. we, we were right. nervous you were gonna bail like i don't know we thought the network would steal you or something and you would just sit up there with eyes in the entire time but we're happy you're here man oh thank you thanks for having me this is awesome for and real you've been doing uh we always joke called the car wash you've been doing a ton of media all week how tired are you of doing impressions right now i mean you can't really ever get tired of it because it's part of the part of the business right it's part of the the brand at this point yeah. but at the same time it's like how, how many times can you get people to be like okay so nick saban what does he think on this and then you know you kind of run out of things to do right i'm sure it's very annoying though when people see you on the street like, you come on here and we say, hey, will you do your cowherd impression? You're like, it's kind of what I signed up for. Sure. Well, when you're at the mall and somebody's like, hey, that's a cowherd guy, how annoying is that? So far, I haven't got too many cowherd guys. If, if anything, it'll just be like, backwards hat guy? And I'll be like, backwards hat guy. You know what I mean? But mostly it's uh, Coach O. That's where I'll get a lot of people. They'll be like, go Tigers. And then I'll have to hit them with, yeah, I'll have to come back with like, go Tigers. You know? And so that's, that's what it is. What's the most surprising one you've been asked to do? Like, is there any impression you're like, I don't even know who that is? Like, have been any weird interactions yeah, like that? There's some people who want me to dive into hockey a lot. Okay. Doc Emmerich is probably the one. He's no, like the, it's like players. I'm like, oh, guys. I, no one watches hockey. I, I uh, Which do they me. speak? I don't, right. And um, so those, but then like. So I want Cameo, right? Because it's just you know a nice way to pay for a couple uh-huh. cups of coffee so you're throughout rich the now. week. We get it. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> you know, if you want to hit me up on there, it's no big deal. Joey Molinero uh, is the name. But um, yeah, people will send me stuff that I've never done. You know, they'll send me like Shannon Sharp or George Bush. I'm like, <laughs> that's guys, not on the list. I, I, like that's not a part of that's not a part of what I do. I don't know what you want from me. Like, I got a Bob Euchre one the other day uh, from Major League. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that is and I just, one. you know, and they were, like, they were like, just do the just a bit outside. And so I just ripped what I thought was, you know, I was like, I, I, I can this do it a little sound bit. Like right. Bob Uecker. But then I was just, you know, after I got done with that, I was just like, I've never done that before. Thanks for following. You know, <laughs> if you have any other ones you want me to do, I'll do it. But at yeah. what age, and what's funny, we ask football players this, like, hey, what age did you think you were playing the NFL? Yeah. At what age did you think you would be making people laugh on Twitter pretending to be someone else. I guess I'm not, you know, I'm not <laughs> yeah, trying to make yeah. that sound. It's not like a dick when I say it like that, but no. doing impressions. No, I mean, uh, I've been telling people a lot. Like, uh, I was always like the living room impersonator, right? Like, I, some of my buddies are here right now. Like, I would always do teachers or their parents or, you know, coaches that we had. You know what I mean? And everybody would get a little bit of a laugh out of it. But then when I was like, well, I kind of want to make some money and, like, do things like this for a living, then I was like, man, I got to start hitting people that people are familiar with that are out there, right? Because that's what people care about. Um, so really over the last year is when I started diving into that a little bit more and going after, not going after, but, you know, you taking on different people to try to do. And, uh, yeah, so it's been about a year. And how many characters do you have right now that you do or people, whatever you call um, That I feel good about, I don't know, probably seven or eight. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'd say about that. Maybe 10 that I feel like, eh, about. But, you know, I have my go-tos. Mm-hmm. Uh, but probably seven or eight, I'd say. Yeah. I know you've started doing a little bit more, not just specific impressions, but more generic things, like the, the teacher yeah. press conference or right. the first date press conference. Mm-hmm. Do you enjoy that stuff a little more because it's, it's not tied to just one person. You could. It's a little more create creativity involved in it. For sure. Yeah. Like uh, one that we did this week. Uh, it was like the 2020 version of a combine interview, right? And like yeah. the joke of it was, 
you know, no one really knows what goes on in these interviews with these GMs and coaches and players here this week. And so I was thinking it's 2020. Everybody's so obsessed with social media now. They want to talk about TikTok with these guys. And that was kind of the joke behind it. So, yeah, for sure. Like those things that, you know, you don't have to hear people say, well, you don't even sound anything like them. Or like this shtick's getting old. It's like, hey, I can come up with some original funny stuff that, you know what I mean? So definitely I, I enjoy those skits even more than doing impressions. Has anyone got mad at you yet for doing them? Because uh, that's a risk, right? Of like, because you're, you're trying to sound like them, but you're also kind of making fun of them at the same time. Sure, but like the way I look at it is that the reason that I feel like I can do these people so well is because I'm so familiar with them. And for me to be familiar with them, that means that they're doing something good, right? That means that I follow them a lot. You know what I mean? Like, so to me, it's a compliment. You know, and Cowherd even said that on his show. And like uh, Chris D'Elia, he's my favorite comedian. He, he shouted me out a couple of times. And I think because he gets it that like the only reason I know it that well is because I'm watching all the time. You know, if, if I didn't care, or wasn't a fan, then I wouldn't be able to do it as well. Um, but no, no one has gotten mad at me. Uh, Alabama fans have gotten mad at me. <laughs> they're, uh, yeah. you know, they they're a they're a butt hurt type. They, uh, <laughs> you know, they didn't they're they're down in the dumps because LSU beat them and they didn't make it in the playoff for the first time in you know since the playoff existed. And so then on top of it, having me you know do coach show making fun of them, mm-hmm. that did not sit well. Uh, so they they are not the happiest with me. It's kind of a split crowd there with the Bama people. You ever been to Tuscaloosa? No, you're not missing Don't. out. Yeah, <laughs> but I did say I'm going to Baton Rouge in November, yes. and I great choice. Absolutely, cannot wait. It's going to yeah. be phenomenal. Yeah, well, if you want to, you should go to Baton Rouge in September when they play Texas. That's, That's when you guys I are going. That's yeah. what I said. I may. I mean, my wife's over there. Can we do that? Can we make that happen? What are you, what are you Baton Rouge in yeah. September. Thumbs up. Okay. <laughs> she gives a thumbs up. All right, it's so we're good. Great. Yeah. All right. We'll get, so, be down there with them to see uh, Coach O. Obviously, since the impressions you do are a lot of sports media people, yeah. we know you're a big sports fan. But when we got to spend some time with you here, we assumed Colts because we're an indie. Yeah. But you told us you're a Steelers fan. Just yeah. Explain that, uh, how you became a Steelers fan and, and what that's been like. Yeah, diehard Steelers fan. Sorry to my guy right there in the, in the Browns jersey. And, uh, like he needs yeah. any more like of a letdown. Like yeah, I know. I know. Um, you know, my dad, like classic, you know, he grew up in Indianapolis in the 70s. They didn't have the Colts, right? So – the Steelers were the team. Funny enough, his little brother is a diehard Cowboys fan. So, you know, they picked the two squads that were popular at the time, roll with them. But it's also funny because I got tired of, you know, people being like, well, why don't you root for the Colts? You don't have any tie for Pittsburgh. I just started saying, yeah, my dad's from Pittsburgh. Well, two <laughs> times I met Pat McAfee and I met Chris Ballard. And both times I had Steelers stuff on. And each one of them said, oh, why are you a Steelers fan? My dad's from Pittsburgh. Oh, really? What part? <laughs> I, uh, the south side the Pennsylvania yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know <laughs> I have no idea you know and so finally I was just like whatever I'm just gonna stop telling that lie and but that's yeah I mean we just he grew up with it and then I grew up with it and we roll with it any Steelers players you've, you're like working on do you just we should have your wife come on does he like practice in the mirror in the bathroom and you like walk in and like who the fuck's here with him? And it's, oh, no, it's just him. Yeah. Well, yeah, and sometimes, like, she'll be sitting, in, like, <laughs> if I'm doing impression time, you know, I kind of, I'm just like, honey, can you go back into the bedroom? Because she sat on the couch a couple times when I'm doing them, and I just get self-conscious because she's kind of looking at me, and I'm right. like, stop, it's impression time. <laughs> but, this is me time. What? I don't know. What, I don't know yeah, what she said, but yeah, phone. sorry. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. they noise canceled. Yeah, they're really good. But yeah, we, it was a stuff. smile, so I think you're. you're I okay. think we're all right. I think yeah. we're all right. Mm-hmm. Do you have like a number of videos you try to hit a week, or or what's like the day to day look like for you? I mean, honestly, like it's just 
Yeah, I mean, as many as I can, you know, it's just, just because it's like, how do you see people grow? How do you see YouTubers grow? It's putting out daily stuff for their following to continue to keep coming back to. So that's that's kind of the goal is daily or every other day and just something that's quick and punchy and topical, you know, that try to make people I'm laugh at. sure there's a bloopers reel somewhere that we need Ooh. to see. I keep eventually. them in my phone and yeah. I'll share them with maybe my wife and one of my <laughs> other buddies. Uh-huh. But um, don't I don't let the bloopers reel out because a lot of times I'll be right in the middle of one and I'll forget what I'm going to say or I'll be right in the middle of one and I'm like, eh, it doesn't sound like it and I'll just, you know, go off on a little tangent. And so it's, you know, it could be kind of ugly, you know. <laughs> no doubt. Um, yeah, I mean, we were just talking about how, how crazy it is, like being, I guess, a Twitter comedian and also most importantly how your following following spiked like skyrockets do you get any weird like requests or dms or offers as that continues to happen where it's like overwhelming are you on instagram first off yeah because that's open dms i don't know if your twitter dms are open but yeah, that's where you get really crazy actually a browns fan actually uh tweeted at me one time was like open your dms coward and i was like fine i will <laughs> i did <laughs> they're open and so then i opened it up and uh yeah it's pretty funny um you know you, the typical kind of things, either like, hey, come on the podcast, oh, okay. or hey, yep. you know, do you have any representation, or hey, how are you? Check my nude pics here. And I'm like, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, I'm whoa, sorry whoa. about that. Weird, I know, it's know like, yeah, no, it's like one of those my weird, bad. it's like one of those weird, uh, um, like, spam accounts, you know, so you just, you'll see it and delete and get rid of it. But essentially, those are like the three categories. It's like podcast, representation, spam porn accounts how much media are you doing i mean i this week you've obviously done a lot because we're all here yeah you're local but i mean that's obviously did the best way to build a following especially outside of here yeah um so is that something where you're are you overwhelmed with it yet because it can become pretty overwhelming at times yeah i mean about a month or two ago like i would you know try to do as many shows as i can you know one because i like to obviously selfishly get the exposure but of course hell i mean i remember being 2021, 22, I mean, really until this last year, like I was always the one reaching out to get people on the show, right? So then when there's people, you know, wanting to have me, it's like, holy shit, this is an honor. Of course. Like, yeah, I'll come on. Um, but then it got to a point, you know, where it's just like, okay, I can't, you know what I mean? I, I, I can't do. And it's crazy to think about, like, good Lord. I mean, like, well, you guys are like Big Cat or PFT, you know what I mean? Like, how many of those requests y'all get? It's just insane to think about how many and how often that happens and like it, it puts in perspective where it's like hey sorry 21 year old college kid like don't feel yeah. bad your time will come but like we just can't do all of them you know what i mean so there are about 20 guys over here that are going to ask you yeah, afterwards right. right hey will you come on our podcast <laughs> so be ready right the yeah. answer is no <laughs> and uh, we'll work I'm something your new out representation we'll, cool <laughs> we'll work something out yeah 10 percent. there you go so Done you said deal. you're a chiefs fan though i am so we're, we're from missouri right and i'm I'm a Chiefs fan. I've been a fan for about two years, though. Okay, uh, just the Mahomes era. Which, yeah, right. As yeah. soon as and I hated Mahomes, but as soon as he got drafted, yeah. What was your what was your what was your uh, you know? We your don't need to talk about Mahomes. Him. Nope, <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> and but ever since I started watching him play, I was like, man, this guy is actually really good at football. And I just found myself rooting for them. Cool. So I'm not like one of those fans who's been waiting his whole life. Yeah. Two years was a long wait for me. Sure. Is, yeah. Two okay. Years long well, time. you're honest about it. That's cool. Congrats. Yeah. I try to be right. What was your guys' comp on Mahomes? Hold on, is love like in, in Indy? Sorry, I'm taking over your no, show. Please, please do. do. <laughs> in Indy, I am just like, I'm big on love. Let's wait, let's make it happen. You can't sit on draft picks forever, Chris Ballard. You know, like agree just, with that. Just, yeah. just stop doing this. Well, let's trade back and we'll stock up on fourth and fifth round pick. Dude, at some point you got to just make a move. He's a hoarder. 
Like, he could go on the show hoarders, and it's just about how the man never wants to make a draft selection. Dude, uh, let's make a move, right? So what do we think? Jordan Love, 13, trade up and get him? I'm I'm on that boat. I'm ready. I think that's what they'll do, but I don't don't know if they should do it. Okay. You know, I threw 17 picks this past year. That's a problem for me. A lot of yeah, but he had like a whole, you know. I know. I, mean, the, I give the excuses. A new coach. All his he receivers, had all bad, bad players, yeah. bad team, yeah. bad, you know. But the problem is, is we'll all sit here and be like, man, we don't really like Jordan Love. He made all these interceptions, mistakes. And then he'll go to the Colts and be like, oh, shit. That's a really good situation. Yeah, it's good for With them. a great right. offensive line, a sure. good running back, some receivers. And then he'll go be a pro bowler in year three. And that's how Mahomes was. I think all of us had like concerns about Mahomes, and yeah. they were all based around if the Browns drafted him at two and made him play right away, he would. I don't think he would have failed, but he wouldn't be here this fast. Sure. Uh, again, like you said, the fit. Read. Mm-hmm. Playmakers. You yeah. know, not the Browns. Sorry. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Let's just shit on the Browns. We're going to have like the... Uh, <laughs> so we're talking Rudolph about draft class. How yeah. nervous does Joe Burrow make you going to the Bengals? Dude, I am like... I'm ready for him to John Elway it. Eli, Eli Manning. Oh, you're it. hoping yeah. for I'm it. Praying. There's got to be a way you can you can get involved in this. I'm I, hoping. I'll do whatever. <laughs> yeah, Joe, whatever. Get his number and do your coach. I won't call him and be like, hey, don't don't play with the fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think you could pull it off. Yeah, I, I I know. I have some connections there, but man, that's I know it's tough because I love Joey B. Um, you know, like the rest of the country, and you know, not. Besides Alabama people, uh, just kind of fell in love with him, and, and I don't want him to go to the Bengals because I don't want to have to root against him. So we'll see. What is your Baker Mayfield take? You, I mean, good as a rookie, not so good this past year. The look on your face is like great. <laughs> this your... is where Colin Cowherd and Joey just merge <laughs> into one person. person. We do. We, we we kind of share the same. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go to the extent that Cowherd goes on Baker. But the wins this argument is isn't a, coming into this. Yeah. <laughs> this is a pretty Just safe a space if you want to be honest about it. I don't Mayfield. think anybody has been more vocally <laughs> against. Yeah, I hate Baker Mayfield. Really? With a passion. Okay. I, I didn't know that. What are eight billion people on this earth? He's like the top person for me. I see, hate him. See, here's the thing him. for me with Baker. I respect and admire the whole, you know, Six foot or five foot ten, like walk on Heisman winner, first pick, like right. That's all you know what I mean. Like we all dreamed of doing that right. when we were twelve years old. Respect, but what I don't get and what I don't fall in line with is all the hype that especially came last off season, right, going into this year, and rightfully so. I think it's going to fall off, but I'm with you. I just I never. I was like, what are we What are we doing here, guys? Like we've seen this experiment before, and. It, I, I, I didn't think it was going to work in Cleveland after, you know, last, two years ago when they were going into this OBJ and hype off season and coming into 2019, and they fell flat on their face like we thought they would. And now it's like we're right back to where we expected Baker to be, honestly. With a new coach and a new GM. Yeah. Again. Again. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a circle. And then that's where, you know, you get into the ESPN posting all these things and different shows on different networks talking about how, you know, he can change the game. He can change the face of this sport. It's like, guys, 12 and 17 is a starter. There it is. So yeah. No, I mean, when you have Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Oh, yeah. Man. Sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah. But Deshaun Watson. Like, there are good quarterbacks out there. We exactly. don't need to make the number one overall pick into this good quarterback. Yeah. Elite level play right now. Right. So what do you guys think about my Steelers? Uh, we, I love your Steelers. I yeah. think getting uh, you right now, Mason Rudolph is the most punchable human being in the sure, planet. Sure, I'd agree. So get getting rid of him, I think, will be good. Yeah, uh, 
I think, I mean, they could be explosive. I want them to draft a running back. I think James Conner is, I think I told you this the other night, yep. I'm not a believer in his. The rest of the tools are there. TJ Watt is amazing. Mm-hmm. Minka is amazing. Like, they, there's some really, really good players there. Devin Bush is going to be phenomenal. Uh, this, they should have been a playoff team this year. If Ben hasn't, they almost were. They almost without, were with Doc Hodges. Hodges. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, and I love Doc, but I don't know how long that's going to last either. So, are they going to draft a quarterback? I think you have to at some point. The, this quarterback class just sucks. So if you don't draft one in the second round, like you're you're getting a guy that's an extreme developmental type player. Yeah, you're Jay- getting Doug Hodges. Yeah. Jalen Hurts would be interesting. For I them. very interesting I'm with for you. them. I'm yes, with you. if Big Ben though isn't the size of Mackay Becton when he comes into training camp, then you have a really good chance because <laughs> he's looking burly these days. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, if Big Ben comes in and gets healthy, and you draft Jalen. I mean, they have a good roster outside of that, as we saw last year. It's, ama- it's amazing they almost made the playoffs with the two quarterbacks that they were rolling out. Sure, how good Mike Tomlin is. I was going to say yes. that. It's funny. I was, on, I was on part of my take a couple of years ago, and they were like, who's the most underrated coach in the NFL? And I said, Mike Tomlin. And they were like, they shit on me. They're like, N- Mike Tomlin? I was like, right. yeah, like I think Mike Tomlin is. And then I started doubting myself. Like, was that a dumb answer? Like, I think it was a good answer. And I feel like it's come back to, to that, you know, where what he – he kept Antonio Brown in line for like six years. That's that amazing. Alone. That's it's something amazing. incredible. That's my best take that I've ever had. And I know it's a take business. From the very beginning of all that stuff last offseason with Antonio Brown, everybody blaming Big Ben, everybody blaming the Steelers. I said, you guys are all insane. You are wrong. Antonio Brown is a cancerous dude who is just – he is the problem. He is the problem. And everybody was – you know, no, you're wrong. It's blah, blah, blah. And then he didn't even play a snap. Didn't play a snap, dude. So yep. I just had to get that out there that I was on. <laughs> I was on that side. You had it first. I've been anti-Antonio Brown yep. since, and I will continue to be. That was a good choice. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good choice. All right, man. Thank you for coming by. We appreciate it. People can follow you on Twitter. At Joey Molinaro? Uh, yes, at Joey There's Molinaro. No, no numbers. No, same on Instagram. Yeah. So, that's yeah. smart. That's the way to do yeah, it. Yeah, if you want to DM him something really strange or you're just looking to represent <laughs> Pictures, him, Instagram is the place right. to go. Anything. The three categories. The yeah, DMs right. are going to be closed right. as Absolutely. soon as this show ends. But thank you for coming by. This is awesome, man. Thanks. And uh, get ready to be asked to do Coach O or Nick Saban to everyone here. So good luck with that. Hide in your corner. Thanks, man. We'll be back right after this. We are back live at 2D Brewing Company in Indianapolis, Indiana. Thanks to our guy, Joey, for coming on the show. Definitely follow him. You're not going to be disappointed. But we have Unless you don't like laughing. Unless you don't like laughing. Or unless you're an Alabama or Cleveland Browns fan. Didn't expect that, but I loved it. We should have the Freddie Kitchens fan base. Just right. don't go there. <laughs> not, not fans of him. Is he a Giants fan? Let's see what happens there. We have draft on draft questions. Let's start them. Let us know your name because uh, I know everyone by their Twitter handle. And then shoot us your question. Hi, my name is uh, Logan Stapleton. I'm from Seattle, and I'm a big Seahawks fan, and I'm wondering the likelihood that the Seahawks re-sign Jadavian, and if they don't or if they're not players for him, um, what's another big-name free agent they could go out and sign? Yeah, I, I think you guys are 50-50. You have as good of a shot as anybody. Um, what makes it difficult is you trade, the, you trade the picks for a guy that you can't franchise tag, right? So that makes it tough. But I think because of that, John Schneider is going to know you're going to have to come to the table pretty heavy-handed to get him. You guys have a lot of free agents on defense as well. So I look at it as they're going to do everything they can to keep him. If he wants to go to the southeast, you, you can't really stop him. You know, if, if he wants to go to the Dolphins, they can pay him. Or the Colts, you can't compete with that. But I feel like Seattle will come in good on that market. Um, when it comes to the free agent class, it's him, it's Yannick Ngakwe, and we've talked about this on a couple shows ago. It's not the greatest edge rusher free agent class, but it is pretty strong at the top. And you guys are also – got LJ Collier, who is a first-round pick and has not done anything yeah. at all. So there's that, too, of 
you might be looking at, other than Puna, you might have a complete D-line redo. That's why I like Marlon Davidson a lot for them in the first round is get an athletic pass rusher up front. Uh, but if you lose Jadavian, if you lose Jaron Reed, there's going to be some money to spend. And, and I don't know if Yannick would be willing to go from Jacksonville to Seattle. That sounds like one hell of an upgrade to me, just personally. But he would be the guy I would go after. I think it's going to be hard for Clowney to look at other teams and be like, this situation's better than what I have in Seattle. I know I'm going to win nine games. I'm probably going to make the playoffs. So I think that if I'm betting on it, I would say Seattle keeps it. Yeah, I would think so too. Now, I do think, I know Matt said this in one of our midweek shows, that the Giants and Colts expect to be big players. Uh, those two have hoarded cap space, especially the Colts like no others, where they want to go out and do something stupid and give them a number that no one else can match. They can do it. But I, I think Melo just made a great point. He was really good in Seattle. And honestly, he was he was good with Houston, not always healthy. But he was a different level of good in Seattle, both against the run and as a pass rusher, where that scheme fits him really well. Uh, it seemed like the training staff was on page with him, which is something that wasn't always the case in Houston. So starting over new again in the NFL, I don't know if that's the best choice personally for him. When you look at other options, I would keep an eye on how far A.J. Epinesa falls in this draft because maybe they can make a play for him. They're probably just on the outside looking in. But in terms of scheme fit and instant, you know, can play from day one, get you eight sacks and stop the run. That's the guy that would be my replacement through the draft. All right. Thanks, dude. Up next. All right, guys. Jack hey. Bourgeois with Blizzlytics. Um, my one question for you guys is, can you name one prospect that would take a team from a playoff contender to a Super Bowl favorite in the first round? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Though. That is a great question. I feel like Kenneth Murray to Green Bay would just because like that was their one hole. And I think they're only going to get better with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur in year two. So if I could put Kenneth Murray to the Packers, like I feel like they might be the best team in the NFC. So you're a Super Bowl contender, like a playoff team. Yeah, we know you're going to do that with Aaron Rodgers, but I think that puts you over the top. It's harder to, you know, like if Henry Ruggs goes to the Eagles, yes, like that's amazing. But is Carson Wentz going to be healthy? Which version of Carson Wentz are we going to get? I think it's the key there. And I was actually going to steal Henry Ruggs if he somehow fell to the Saints or if the Saints can get really good quality out of that number two receiver. I think that they're a Super Bowl contender. I think Jefferson. I mean, they pretty much already are. Or, Or if one of these running backs can go to a team. Uh, like maybe the Bills take a chance on him or, or somebody like that. I think that receiver and running back would really set a lot of these teams over the top. I think for me it would be the Ravens at linebacker. I, you know, I know Matt brought up Kenneth Murray. I think that's a really nice fit. Not sure if he makes it there. Uh, what Patrick Queen can do in coverage is almost unrivaled in this class, and I think that would take a great Ravens defense and just put them over the top. So those are one of the teams that obviously I think all of us expected them to be in the Super Bowl this year. They might lose Matt Judon in free agency, so maybe they look at some of the pass rushers at that pick. But they're really one more piece away on defense and just honestly being a little more consistent in the big games to make a Super Bowl. And if my Niners draft safety. I don't think they draft 31. Playoff contender, not super, in the saying, Super Bowl. And I'm trying to make this happen. My Gentlemen, get Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Dan Kiefer, I got a two-part question. I'll try not to be too selfish. First off, thank you for the beers. You clearly know the way to my heart. And then I'm curious, at the top of the show, you talked about how Dwayne Haskins could potentially be on the move if they decide to go quarterback. So I'm wondering where you'd slot him in this class. And then for Connor specifically, the people are getting restless. We would like to know when we're getting our sticky chug from you. Uh, well, I'll answer that part first. That's all you, I'm, I'm building suspense, like, as long <laughs> as I possibly can. So maybe tailgate tour 2020. Maybe not. We'll see. Uh, I'm going to keep the people waiting in suspense. Mello's going to get his tattoo while Connor chugs. That's actually a really fair point. I will do the sticky chug. Why Mello is getting the Josh Allen tramp stamp. 
So that's yeah. not going to happen. Uh, two, what was your other question? I don't remember. I don't remember oh, Dwayne either. Haskins. Where would he slot in this class? Sorry. Um, so obviously Joe Burrow would be tops for me. Tua would be second. I, don't, I would not have him above Justin Herbert or Jordan Love. Uh, I think the conversation is, does he come in? I think he would be ahead of Jacob Eason. He would be ahead of Jake Fromm, be ahead, ahead of Jalen Hurts. So you're looking at like the fifth quarterback in this class is where I would have him. And, and I've gone back and looked at my Haskins notes uh, over the last 12 hours because we knew that this was going to come up with trade stuff. And, and I, I said it on the Friday show. He was the breaking point for me as a round two player last year. And I liked him in certain schemes and hated him in others. So I, I think even that, like where he slots in is so scheme specific. So he's going to be an interesting guy if there is a trade market Do do the Bears trade a second-round pick for him? Do, does Tampa try to get involved and trade for him? And there's a, a lot of different directions that could go. And I think what happened with Rosen last year, that that might actually hurt his value too. So I don't know if you are getting a very good second-round pick well, back And to him. your point, and I actually thought this is where you're going, what hurt Rosen was they were trying to trade him draft weekend. Mm-hmm. You need to – like if you're going to trade Dwayne Haskins, you need to do it in two weeks. You mm-hmm. don't want to wait and do it during the draft when teams – really already have a plan, and they're, yep. they're not able to think and be flexible, or they've already filled their quarterback need. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked a lot about, like, the Cardinals did Josh Rosen badly, and I know he's like, he's not playing in Miami, like, whatever. They did him no favors by waiting to trade him that weekend. Yeah, I mean, let's be real. He goes to a Miami situation where they were never rebuilding around Josh Rosen. They took him on as a flyer, it, it felt like, but... Mm-hmm. Just to answer that question, I think uh, I would have Haskins right between Jordan Love and Justin Herbert. Uh, I've been pretty vocal that I'm just not a big Justin Herbert fan, and I think there's really two impact starters out of this class in Burrow and Tua. Jordan Love is a wild card that I understand if a team takes a chance on, and I like him. I had Haskins, we were talking about this I think yesterday, 18th overall in last year's class, which for a quarterback is it's okay. So once again, um, I, you know he's, he's okay, but I don't understand why they would take Tua in that spot over him. All right, next up, the man, the myth. Thanks, guys, again for throwing on these events, seeing everybody after Mobile. Um, Andrew Harbaugh, I'm sorry, didn't introduce myself last time. A uh, couple of small school guys, Kyle Duggars hasn't tested yet, um, Ben Barch has. Where do you think they kind of fit into the fold here now? Um, Barch, I don't, I don't think gets out of day two. Um, do you think Duggar, though, if he tests well today, could jump in the back end of round one? I don't think he could jump into background one. It wouldn't surprise me, but it feels like the safeties are going to drop a little bit this year. I think Xavier McKinney, we had thought a lot, like at Dallas at 17. But again, the effect of these tackles and quarterbacks going early is Javon Kinlaw could fall to Dallas, in which case you take him. And then Xavier McKinney falls to the Niners or the Chiefs at the back end. So to your, to your question, Andrew, I think that Duggar's a really, really good player. For me, the line between him and Grant Delpit is almost non-existent. That's how much I like Kyle Duggar. But I expect they're going to both be early round two type picks. Ben Barch is the, the biggest questions were a level of competition, right? And he goes to the senior bowl and he looks like he belongs. I mean, you could have put an Ohio state helmet on that kid. And you would have thought he started for the Buckeyes. He was that good. I agree with you. I think he's probably going to be a, a round three pick. I would be surprised if he gets out of day two, because, and especially for the way my board falls right now, after Austin Jackson, there's a big gap to the next tackle. And so guys like Barch, or if you're a zone team, Ezra Cleveland, or Isaiah Wilson at right tackle, Matt Pert from UConn, someone's going to raise up the board even if we don't feel like they should be ranked that high. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. It's always nice when that happens. Yep, I don't have to do anything. When I mean, yeah, not that much different for me. Uh, Duggar firmly in the second round. Uh, really, no matter what he does at the combine, I, I don't think I'll move him up to first round because no. I'm not expecting this to be like – 
some record-breaking kind of performance, even though he is a good athlete. Uh, Bartsch, round three to four, I think. You know, once again, there are a lot of really good names at offensive line, and I think that's right firmly where he'll be after that. It's almost two waves we'll get before his name comes off the board. All right, last one. Here we go. Yeah, uh, so Austin R. from Cincinnati, but I'm a Browns fan. So it seems like one of the long storylines of this draft has been the rise of the tackles. Browns pick at 10. How likely do you think it is that that run of the top four tackles ends at nine or before and the Browns are left empty-handed? And if so, do you think they should pick an Isaiah Simmons there or trade back late first round, pick up an Austin Jackson or something like that? I think you guys are in good shape to get one of the top four tackles. I really do. Um, We run through scenarios all the time, sometimes on the show, sometimes it's for an article, sometimes it's just you're bored on the road and you're thinking about where people are going to get drafted. So, I mean, we feel pretty confident the Giants could take one at four. It's 50-50. They could take one at four. The great news for you guys is next it's Arizona at eight is where we think the next tackle comes off the board. The Browns are probably going to get the third best tackle in this class. It's just other teams have invested. Carolina at seven. They've invested in Taylor Mott and they've invested in Greg Little. Uh, you know, even Jacksonville, they've invested in those tackles. Watch Juwan Taylor last year in the second round. So I think the Browns are in a good, good shape to get, even if you got the fourth best tackle, that's Andrew Thomas and he's pretty good. You know, so I think, I think you guys are all right. I don't feel like they're in a spot where they would have to, to trade. Now, the, the question will be what Andrew Barry values because none of us know. They could look at the board at nine and say, uh, this would be crazy, but they could say tackles aren't first-round positions. Let's trade back. You never know. I mean, you really don't. So I think that's what we will try to learn this offseason is how Andrew Barry places priority and value on positions. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I think they're in position right now without any trades. They will get one of the top four tackles. And if not, looking at guys like Josh Jones, I, I think that he's pretty damn good too. Austin Jackson – top 15 buzz about him they will be in position to take a tackle maybe not one of the top four uh, but I do think that they will yeah I think Andrew Thomas is probably the name to keep an eye on I mean the way I look at this class Jedrick Wills should be the first tackle taken and I think he will be Makai Becton teams are gonna love him no matter what else you know whatever anyone else thinks of him how raw he is how many true pass sets he's taken Tristan Wirfs just blew it up here I mean he absolutely killed it so I think they're right in the sweet spot where they get the end of the run it would have to cause some kind of trade up over them because teams know the Browns are looking at tackles I mean you have the Jets at 11 maybe they think they have to move there's teams behind them Costanzo coming back to the Colts probably makes you feel a little safer than you used to because the Colts had a lot of capital to come up and get in top tackle but I feel as long as they want one, that's the question. I feel pretty good about the Browns getting one. Makai right. Becton just feels like the Browns pick at ten. If he makes it. Yeah, if, if he, he makes it. it. That's that's gonna be the key. But you never see Baker Mayfield again. I think, he hides uh, behind him. I think Tristan Wirfs from an analytics perspective will be pretty impressive. You know, just the, the I don't think numbers. he makes it past the Cardinals though. Shouldn't shouldn't. Yep. There we go. Look at that. All right, that is our show. Thank you again to everyone who came out. Thank you again to Tootie Brewing Company for hosting us. Thank you to Joy for coming on. We're going to hang out, have a good time. So if you have questions, uh, come find us. Otherwise, for Mello, for Connor, we'll talk to you guys real soon.